You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Vince. Hello, everybody, and welcome to issue 124 of the Comic Book Informer Podcast. Have people really been listening to us for the better part of three years? No kidding. It's been a while. They've been listening to me. They ignore you. (laughs) I can barely listen to you. I have to edit you. Okay. (laughs) That takes, (laughs) I should be getting paid. So anyway, I'm Vince. That's Raj. You should know that after three freaking years or so. (laughs) And what are we talking about? Not Not the Microsoft Xbox. (laughs) That's later. (laughs) You know, there are some weeks where we're, we're just kind of scrambling and like, okay, you know, trying to put together an episode and you know, sometimes we just get grabbed like, okay, an issue here, an issue there. So we decided to make this week just a, an all around grab bag. It's going to be an extended edition of what we're reading. And you know, and you know what? <laughs> and we're taking turns because I know you're going to snag up all the good ones. I, I, <laughs> you're going to leave me with to give you a chance. Hell, you were. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'll let you go first. You are? Okay, well, if that's the case, then can you give me like three minutes to finish this all new X Men? (laughs) Because I'm on page 19. (laughs) Were you planning on reading it while I was talking? Yes. You jerk. Oh, please. Like, you are always paying attention to what I got to say. Never. Rarely. You're like, hell, you are. That's why whenever I finish talking, you're like, mm hmm. And then you just continue saying whatever the hell you were going to say, anyways. Because you usually interrupted a good point and to begin with. Not true. All right. I started reading this. Did you read it? Which one? This doesn't count as my one, though. I'm just asking. <laughs> <laughs> I know Did I you? have read it. I have read several all-new X-Men. The, the number 11. Uh, where Warren takes off. Yes, okay. I have. Damn, I haven't finished it. I really want to know what's going to happen. <laughs> I read it a okay, couple that's... weeks ago. I don't even quite remember everything that oh, happened at this man. point. Okay, well. That's not my one. Okay, uh, if I'm going to choose one to start off with, then I'm going to go with uh, all new X-Men number 20, or no, uh, all, uh, Ultimate X. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm cutting and I'm going to start back. <laughs> don't, don't laugh because then I can't cut. I knew making you go first was going to completely throw no, you it, off. It really did. Um, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man 23. This is, we had talked about this before and you were the one that, that told me that it was going to be like the one year later deal. And, uh, and I was wondering how he was going to handle that because y- you're messing with the continuity of the, he, like he's not in the same time frame now, or th- these issues aren't appearing in the same time frame as what's going on with the X-Men right now. So all the crap that's happening with the X-Men and like all the, the rebuilding and utopia and all that, it's not mentioned here, but I'm curious how he's going to work that in there kind of thing. Because mm-hmm. again, it's a, a different timelines in and of itself though, what he's shown here, which I mean, he's shown before too, is that, um, Bendis is fantastic at, with, with characters, they don't have to be in unbelievable superhero adventures, he's good with people. And here, you're not seeing Spider-Man. I mean, you're seeing Miles, and you're seeing his relationship with this new girl, his relationship with his father, his relationship with um, superheroes, but as himself, not as 
Spider-Man, which was important. And I'm glad he did it that way as well. So it's, it's, it's really, I, I really like what he did in this issue, the, the meeting up with Gwen and, and how he has aged since she's last seen him. And he's not the same person. He's not that innocent little kid. And yes, he also, he still kind of looks at his shoes kind of things, but he is more sure of himself and of his choices kind of thing. Um, so I, w- I was really impressed with that. I really enjoyed that a lot. And then the stuff with um, uh, Spider-Girl, I like that. And I'm really hoping that there's going to be a lot, a lot more of that because uh, like, and people will need to, to either read prior issues of the, the other versions of Spider-Man uh, or there'll have to be some recaps here so that they can realize like this is, an exact clone of Parker, except a woman, a girl. And so like her memories are Peter's memories up until the point where that clone was built. So all of this stuff that he's telling miles in terms of like, you have to, it's your responsibility and all that. This is not just a secondary character who's telling him this kind of thing. People need to realize, no, he's being told this by the original Mm Spider-Man essentially. So I think that the, Bendis needs to play that up a little bit more for people That's actually who are great point that I kind of overlooked. Yeah. So I'm really hoping that'll be in, in future issues, how he's going to push more, how she's going to push more and explain who she is and stuff like that, because then that becomes a very good resource for miles going forward. Then, you know what, if he wants advice, if he wants to talk to somebody or whatever, there's the original Spider-Man right there. Mm-hmm. And then of course the ending cloak and dagger, dude, <laughs> you know how I feel about that. As long as they don't screw this one up. Yeah. Well, they didn't screw it up. It was the writers who screwed it up. Mm-hmm. So I I just love Cloak and Dagger. So when I saw that, it was like, oh, this has the potential for a win, especially in Bendis's hands. So all around, amazing issue. I was so happy. The one thing that I actually wanted to point out was the way we've seen the relationship change between Miles and his father. Yeah, big time. Because previously he was always kind of distant with Jefferson and he was closer with his mom because his father was always busy with work and, you know, all that. And also the, the tensions between, uh, you know, the, the uncle. So now with the mom out of the picture, we see the relationship between the two is, is they're really the only one each other has. And yeah. we're starting to see, you know, more conversation and, you know, attachment between the two of them. And I, I really enjoyed that growth. Well, what I liked as well, too, and again, this is a testament to a writer who understands how to write people. The father's not the same man. Mm -hmm. You can very clearly see that this is a man who lost his wife and a wife that he cared deeply about. And he's a, he's for lack of a better term, a broken shell at this point right now, he will get better. And you do get that sense about him that eventually he will heal about, uh, you know, heal and, and be better. But for the time being, he is much more fragile. And you were talking about like the, how it was more about Miles and his mother. Well, part of that, I feel, was also because of the way the relationship with his father was somewhat strained. And some of that was that his father was much more strict. His father was much more, you know, you can see him being more of a hands-on father where you're screwing up, you might get a backhand kind of thing. Um, and so here, though, we see that 
that's not the same person at all. And granted, some of that would have been the change over the course of the year, especially with Miles being away at school and not quite as much at home. So he's seeing him more as a young man and not just his boy. So Mm -hmm. it's different. But I mean, there was such a change in how the father was presented, but you still knew it was him, very clearly him. Just you could appreciate that all of those experiences over the past year without his wife changed him so much. And just to point out the art, David Marquez, another fantastic issue. Yeah. And and again, this is the guy people were complaining about when he was filling in an all new (laughs) X-Men. Completely wrong to complain about it, but they were. Yeah. Especially the way it was here, how you had, you know, 22 pages of basically normal people sitting around in restaurants and all that. And then the last page when you had Cloak and Dagger, it was such a vibrant, dynamic shock to, to the tone of the comic. Oh my God, it was great. Yep. And the coloring too. The coloring yes. was insane. See who just did the colors on this one. Yeah, that's what I was uh, looking as well. Colors were Justin Ponsor. Phenomenal work. So yeah, it's, it was. I was really, really impressed with this. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we were just talking with everything going on right now with Superior Spider-Man that Bendis was going to have to really up his game <laughs> if he wanted to make an impression with a Spider-Man series. Well, pff, here it is. It's that simple. And somebody pointed out online that uh, Kate Bishop showed up here now as a, a friend of Peter's, his girlfriend, I believe, or Peter's goodness. Miles. Uh, yeah. Miles, as his girlfriend even, wasn't it? Or yeah. was it? Yeah. And, you know, that's, of course, female Hawkeye. So that's basically, you know, your, your, your guiding light in the Marvel Universe is if she's in a comic, it's probably worth reading. <laughs> <laughs> so, Art, your turn. All right. Uh, I wanted to talk about Batman, uh, issues 19 and 20. Over the previous 18 issues, we basically saw Scott Snyder tell two stories with uh, Court of Owls and then Death of the Family. So it was really nice to see that he can – and we also know that coming up he's going to be doing an 11-part story with Year Zero. So it was really nice to see that he can do a really good short story as well. This two-issue Clayface story I thought was great because it took a villain we haven't seen in a while and – don't even ask me when he gained his new power to be able to copy someone just from touching them and, you know, gaining their DNA, but whatever. But it gave some such cool twists because, well, what happens when he touches Batman? Now he turns into Bruce Wayne and, you know, the cat's kind of out of the bag. And there was this cool cat and mouse game with, you know, Clayface pretending to be Bruce and pretending to be uh, Lucius Fox. And we saw the, a prototype of the Batman Beyond armor show up that was awesome and it was it was i just really liked it and it, i really appreciate that uh snyder showed that he could do a much smaller story as well as these giant epics i read 19 but i still haven't read 20 so i'm gonna need to read that mm-hmm. but okay. did you read talking about the batman stuff you were saying you were going to be reading the new red hood stuff did you read that as well um i read that the one issue that, you, that we were talking about was it like 18, 18 i think it was, was that was really yeah. good yeah and then the next issue went back to the crap, so I gave up. <laughs> it actually wasn't that bad. If you I, followed, I, I, I didn't dig it. But okay. okay, yeah, because it, it continues in in uh, issue twenty, and that's uh, James Tinian, the fourth who wrote that, who was working on Talon, and I saw a marked improvement as soon as James was handling the writing, and I didn't mind nineteen. It wasn't phenomenal. But it wasn't that bad, really. We're mm-hmm. working with the characters that were there in the established, you know, lore that they'd done up until that point. But 
20 was actually not that bad once again, because at this point, you know, the, they're fighting for him to regain the memories that he's lost. And, and it, it, it worked. It wasn't, you know, groundbreaking phenomenal stuff, but I, I still kind of enjoyed it. Did Tinian write 19 or was that still, still uh, Lobdell? I thought it was Tinian who wrote that one as well. Hmm. I don't I have to I'm, go back and I'm not positive, but I, I was fairly certain it was. Although I don't have it on my list, but uh, with Robin gone, how they've been doing the, the retitling of the Batman and Robin, how 19 was yeah. Batman and Red Robin, and now this week was Batman and Red Hood. <laughs> that was just such an awkward issue. <laughs> <laughs> I actually haven't read those yet, so I don't know. Because, you know, Red Hood, he uses guns. <laughs> and Batman brings him along, and he's like, you know, kneecaps only. And I'm like, no, no, sorry. <laughs> Even if it's only knee, this isn't Terminator. <laughs> no guns, period. <laughs> All right, you done? All right, uh, did you uh, check out, uh, jumping over Marvel side, uh, Wolverine and the X-Men? Hey, it's still my turn. It's my oh. turn now. You had no, your turn. I, turn. I was just piggybacking off yours. Like hell, Batman is not piggybacking off of... No, but you, you talked about Red Hood, and then I just no, kind no, of piggybacked no, 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 onto no, no, that. No, 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 I talked about... No, 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 that wasn't my, my Red Hood. That was piggybacking on your Batman. <laughs> it's my turn. I'm talking about Nova. It's <laughs> like a bad turn in magic. <laughs> did you really... <laughs> did you... Oh, you points for that. Um, did you read the fourth, Nova? Oh, of course. Oh, dude. This is freaking <laughs> awesome. I know. You said he's uh, he's given up on this, though? Or he's being I don't know if on? he's given up, but he's moving on. Damn. Because keep in mind, Jeff Loeb is also in charge of Marvel's entire TV division. So okay. I'm sure he's quite busy over there. This is freaking awesome. I I really enjoyed this. And again, it's it's one of those, it's funny because it's... It's like we're saying this with every single issue. It's nothing new. It's just very well done. So, like, you're seeing him going up against this freaking cat dude, and and you're getting some history again of his father and what transpire, transpired between them, and then some more with his mother, who clearly knows what's going on. Eventually, he's going to have to tell her kind of thing. And then um, the stuff with... Uh, well, there wasn't much stuff between him and the... His, his trainers, quote-unquote, yet, but he's trying to reach them. This was just phenomenal. And, the, mm-hmm. again, we're talking about artwork. My God. McGinnis is friggin' great. <laughs> My God, the, the art and the coloring, again, was just, I read this on the iPad, and it just, like, shoots off the screen. It's unbelievable how great it looks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just pulled up the, the news article real quick. Looks like they Loeb just basically wanted to do the the kind of origin for Sam Alexander. Right. Uh, the first five issues he says were a self-contained story, and then with issue six, uh, Zeb Wells is coming on writer, and you know, I love Zeb. So okay, okay, all right, good. Because this was I really enjoyed this a lot. Mm-hmm. So now I can talk about Wolverine and the X Men. Yes, you can. <laughs> issue uh, twenty nine. Did yep. you catch that? Yes, I did. Because, you know, after the whole Savage Land thing, which it was okay, like it wasn't as fantastic as everything that came before. Yeah. And it's kind of like when I was talking about Hawkeye, how when a comic is just okay, it's kind of disappointing. <laughs> but this, we saw this cool flash into the future of the Jean Grey Academy and seeing how the students have grown up. And, you know, even iBoy, you know, has a really integral role in what's going on in the X-Men universe. And, the best was the old old bamps yes (laughs) (laughs) but it was just a really nice you know character story for wolverine showing that yeah you still can do a good character story with wolverine despite you know without him just 
slashing dudes' arms off and stuff. You, you can still do something that really impacts the character. I think what really worked with this is that it wasn't a future story of Wolverine. It was a future story of the Jean Grey mm-hmm. school. That makes all the difference in the world because it wasn't just about him. Like you're talking about um, iBoy really steps up. Man, does he ever. He's like freaking, he, he reminded me of the Martian Manhunter who for a while uh-huh. only hung out in the, what's that called? The Watchtower. The Watchtower and was in charge of sending everybody all over the place. Well, that's iBoy and it fits a hell of a lot more with iBoy doing it. He's got eyes on him, you know, 100 screens sending people all over the place. And I mean, you're talking about a mutant. It sounds like he really stepped up to the plate in the future. And so I liked that about the entire issue, how it was It was about the school and Logan's place in it, not just Logan. And yeah, the freaking future Bamps <laughs> were awesome. They were awesome. <laughs> I, I, I have, kind of have to wonder who came up with the idea of, okay, here's a new kid, his mutant powers, he's got eyeballs all over his yeah. body. And then if Aaron just kind of had to take that and go, okay. <laughs> Or I, I I need to find out like who came up with the idea for iBoy and whether like the, the the you know the evolution of his mutant powers was part of it from the beginning or if it's just kind of Aaron came up with on his own. I think it was a dare. <laughs> he lost a bet. <laughs> All right, you're up. Uh, Legacy, X Men Legacy. Did you read the newest one of that? Which I is believe I did. Number was that the one where she hijacked 10. Cerebra? Um, yeah, (laughs) she goes and sees him and he sleeps naked. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Um, but you're seeing here the relationship with the new person, persona, who's quite obviously his father, but with other, uh, other enhancement, other things he can do and whatnot. And then he's looking into the future of what's going to be happening and who's going to die and things like that. And then I like how he worked that all in though, like having looked into all the different futures possible futures and most of them either he dies or she dies uh what the hell is her name blindfold um one of them dies kind of thing so what does he do to try to resolve that go and see if he can get his powers taken away I'm, it makes me really and and the whole bit about going to talk to the guy who would take his powers away everything like that was freaking so well written and it makes me really want to again buy the next issue you want to keep your audience really on the edge of their seat and coming back this was that this was Mm -hmm. really well written yeah it's such an enjoyable comic it is it is it's surprise it really surprised me Um, not because of the caliber of Spurrier's work not not by any stretch of the imagination but so but rather what he was I don't want to say stuck with, but what he was undertaking because so much of it is just with, with David. So you're kind of, you're, you're limited. And yet because of the type of character that David is, you're not limited. You're, it's a free for all. So I really am enjoying this series a lot. And this was no exception. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, God, can you imagine if age of Ultron was coming out monthly? (laughs) <laughs> we would be stabbing our eyeballs out because that move that story is moving so slow. But like we've said so many times before, the tie-ins are actually really good. And uh, I, what I have next is Avengers Assemble 15 AU, where Kelly Studeconic actually steps aside as writer and brings in Al Ewing, who is a perfect fit for the story they're doing here because the entire story takes place in London. 
where we don't have, you know, the Fantastic Four or anybody to work with. It's, you know, Carol happens to be over there and she's teaming up with the British superheroes, Captain Britain, uh, Black Knight, it's a computer dude. I forget his stupid name, but <laughs> Al Ewing is a British comics writer. So having somebody who is more familiar with these characters than any American writer could be and more familiar with the actual tone that a comic set in England would have. I, it was just, it was completely different from anything else I read in a long time, but it worked so well. I haven't read that yet. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty fun because you, you know, this is the last stand of all these characters. You see stuff like Captain Britain, you know, even if, you know, Brian Braddock dies, Captain Britain has to live on and you know how he handles that. And as much as I've always hated Captain Britain as a character, because he's, you know, the, his whole thing is his superpowers are based on his confidence. So, you know, if he's kind of mopey, he's pretty weak. So he's always been this, you know, brash, you know, bravado hero. And it's always been annoying, kind of like, you know, Hawkeye, like we said so many times before. But it really worked here and I, I really enjoyed it. Hmm. Well, actually, staying with Deconic and Miss Marvel, did you read Avengers of the Enemy Within? Oh, yes, I did. Okay. So here we're seeing what's going on with Danvers because she's so limited in what she can do with her powers um, because of the lesion in her brain going on. And here's another example of how Deconic does such a good job with, with characters. We were just talking about that with Bendis and other people. Um, Deconic does that very, very well also. And so here is Danvers and Spider-Woman. And I've always enjoyed that pairing. That, that mm -hmm. pairing, when done well, is great. And, and I mean, we might as well stop calling it Captain Marvel. Call yeah. Carol and Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but we've seen how Jessica, like Jessica and, and Hawkeye, it just gets annoying kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But these two are the equivalent of, you know, buddy cops kind of thing. So they kind of bounce off of each other very well. And, and Spider-Woman's that nice, sarcastic little, you know, pulling little jokes every once in a while kind of thing. And I, and I like it. And so this was very, very good. And we're seeing how there's some weird stuff going on with Danvers here. And there's a, a, a higher power at work here that is really messing with her. So... And the thing, too, is you're seeing how difficult it is for her to actually not use all of her abilities. And she just winds up doing it. And so I really enjoyed this a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going to be going. Mm -hmm. Was it Captain Marvel issue eight or nine when she found out she had the brain lesion? And we were both saying... You know, is there going to be consequence to that? Because so many times in comics, you know, oh, this terrible thing. And then two issues later, it's over with. And it's really great to see how this, you know, physical trauma is affecting her as, as a hero, as a person, and also us as readers. Because we, I, I was getting kind of anxious. I was like, you know, just like, how's she going to do that? You know, and then she flies. I'm like, no, stop flying. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the, the, the relationship with the other people, too, who are saying, like, seriously, some of the, the and I'm quite sure the tone, too, implied by Spider-Woman, where she was like, what the hell are you doing? I'm going, that's me when I'm talking to my wife, <laughs> when she's doing something stupid after her concussion kind of thing. And it's like, don't do that i knew you were going to do it but you didn't have to so i i really enjoyed this this is going to be a fun series to read mm -hmm. all right well uh moving over to dc again uh, i want to talk about demon knights not any specific issue but just the comic in general because it's one of the few dc comics i've continued to read like so much of the core dc stuff is just as we said so many times it's brutal to get through a lot of these stories they're they're bland they're boring 
And Demon Knights is the exact opposite of that. I mean, you have Etrigan the Demon, uh, Vandal Savage, you know, all these over-the-top ridiculous characters. And they're just telling a really fun story with it. Like, they just wrapped up a storyline where Dracula and his army of vampires were invading the island of the Amazons. You can't not write <laughs> a good story based on that premise. So it's, it's just been a really fun comic, something so different from everything else going on with the rest of DC stuff. And of course, it's canceled. <laughs> I think issue 22 is the last issue because as we've seen so many times with DC, they've, you know, they tried to capture this, this, this wider audience and that didn't work. And the core DC fans have shown over the years that, they really, you know, they just want to read Batman and Superman. They they don't have that much interest in, you know, the outlying characters unless you can do something absolutely phenomenal with them. And I, as much as I'm enjoying Demon Knights, I can't say it's a must read. So it's just kind of falling by the wayside. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> it's so much better than at least half of what they're publishing. <laughs> okay. Okay. I figure we only have like, what, maybe one left, two? Okay. As many as you want to edit for. Um, well, only a couple more. Then we'll wrap it up. Um, Cable and X-Force, number eight. I actually haven't read the most recent one. Okay. Well, this here is you are finding out why, essentially, they broke this, you know, intergalactic <laughs> serial killer <laughs> out of prison kind of thing. And you're finding out why he did that and then the repercussions of that as well. It was it was a good wrap-up. And it was well explained and, and you can see the rationale why he did what he did because it's kind of hard to imagine why you would do something like that. It's well done. And then there's a couple of, there's a couple of really, really good scene. One especially involving Colossus, which I'm not going to spoil because you haven't read it, but you'll know immediately which panel I mean. It's okay. awesome. It's freaking awesome. It's only one little panel on the page, but it's bloody freaking awesome. So, uh, no, good stuff. This is continues to be a a good series. I'm enjoying it a lot. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm actually going to skip a little bit on my list here then. Uh, and I'm going to talk about Suicide Risk, number one, a uh, new comic that just came out from Boom Studios. I, I mentioned it when it was first yeah. releasing because the writer was Mike Carey, who we both really enjoyed when he was writing X-Men Legacy prior to the reboot. I don't know, sorry, not a reboot, a renumbering, <laughs> fine. <laughs> and this was a really interesting concept of it follows a normal, it's, it's something we've kind of seen before, but with a twist on it, where we have this really interesting setup of the main character is just a normal guy. He's a police officer and he's involved in this bank robbery by supervillains and he's he, he is messed up psychologically from what he sees going on here because supervillains don't care. They ripped his partner's arm off. Like he, he's in a bad place. And, you know, he starts to try and track down, you know, where are they getting their powers from? And why is the vast majority of superpowered people in this world, why are they villains? And the few who even are heroic don't stay that way very long. And so as he comes to find out, they're getting their powers, you know, from a black market source, which is, of course, how many of them end up as villains. They're kind of, you know, stuck having to pay this guy if they want to keep their powers with the caveat that there's a good chance that getting the powers will kill you outright. So that's where the suicide risk comes in. And it was, it was just a really cool story, and I can't wait to read more. Cool. Very cool. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to go to what's going on this week then? We can stop there. I would like I will to do say, one more thing. Okay, well, I'll say one more, but I'm not actually going to talk about the comic. I'm just going to say 
I'm very sorry to Matt Fraction, but FF sucks. I've really not been enjoying FF. I keep giving it a chance, and I'm just not getting into it. And I say it sucks. I think it sucks. I'm quite certain there's a lot of people that are enjoying it. I ain't one of them. I just cannot get into this series at all. And it's not because it's character. <laughs> I guess I am talking about it. <laughs> it's not because it's characters that I don't care about. Um, because we've seen how characters that I detest can be made to 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 like that to can be made to be so amazing that I have to read every issue of Hawk Guy that comes out. And here's a character that I hated and now I absolutely love. And we've seen that with other comic books as well. Look at Nova for you, all kinds of stuff. So you can take characters that are unknown or hated and hated the writer. Okay, well whatever. Um <laughs> So it can be done. So it's it's not that. It's just I'm really not enjoying the stories at all. And the the art isn't helping either because I'm not a fan of his work either, uh, all Red's work. But I mean, I'm just not enjoying the stories at all at all. I think the last issue I read was like two or three. Not because I didn't like it, just because it didn't. It wasn't doing anything for me. Yeah. No. This is. I'm. That's it now. Seven, I feel I've given this more than a fair shake, and I just cannot get into it at all. Okay, so the last thing I want to talk about is Injustice, and not the actual comic, but the game. As we were talking about the comic, I said, you know, I was going to kind of look into the storyline of the game, and I didn't play it. Like I've said, I can tell you the gameplay is awful. I know how Nether Netherrealm designs their fighting games, and it's not something that appeals to me, and it's not something that appeals to most fighting game aficionados. But I did go on YouTube and watch an edited down version of the story mode. <laughs> it was basically a movie. It was two hours long of somebody playing through the story mode and cutting out all the gameplay and just leaving in all the cinematics. It was interesting where it's the, the premise of the game is actually the normal Justice League gets sucked into the dimension that we see in the Injustice comic. So it's like a few years after Superman has taken over and they're in this totalitarian state where, you know, Batman and a, a few people are still trying to fight back. And uh, go on YouTube. I, I, it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, great writing. It wasn't, uh, you know, the, the cool character stuff that we're seeing in the, in the comic. And it's definitely something we've seen before, but it wasn't bad. You know what's funny is you're saying that a lot of people don't like this kind of fighting style. You know what the Metacritic rating is on this game? Oh, it's phenomenal. It's amazing. And I mean, we've got like the 81 for the Wii U version, the PS3 version, well, 78, that's still fine. The the Xbox version, 82, like, and the user scores are just as high. People are liking this game. Because here's the thing, NetherRealm's combat engine, and this is getting very into game talk, which we don't do much here, is very friendly to casual game oh, players. Oh, yeah, you're just smashing buttons. But fighting game aficionados, myself, a lot of my friends, can't stand it because it's clunky. It's slow. The combo system is not there. So fighting game fans hate it. But casual people kind of really enjoy it because you can just hit a couple buttons and do something completely awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the same thing as the iOS version. Although the Metacritic for that is fairly low. Um, well, low. I mean, 70-ish. Um, but I did play quite a bit of it. And you just get tired of everybody has essentially the same moves mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it's... Was it the same limited. story or did they kind of do something different There for really the is no story to speak of. Like oh, you see okay. some of the it's story leading into mode. it and then, yeah, you go in and you're fighting. So, 
but the story beforehand, a little bit that goes up, you're like, okay, this has a potential to be cool, but that's pretty much all you get out of it. Yeah, and the story sets up some some really cool fights. I mean, of course, you have Superman versus Superman eventually is, you know, the the, yeah. the payoff. But you get stuff like Batman and Deathstroke and then Batman working with Deathstroke, and, you know, stuff, Cyborg having to fight Raven. And it's just really cool pairings that you wouldn't see in the comics that actually works for the fighting game. Yeah. All right. Then as for this week's new releases for Marvel, we have Avengers number 12, Fantastic Four number eight. We finally get Powers Bureau number four, Superior Spider-Man number 10, Ultimate Wolverine number four. I guess I'm going to have to start reading that at some point. (laughs) Uncanny Avengers number eight AU, Uncanny X-Men number six, X-Men Legacy number 11, and Young Avengers number five. DC brings us issues 20 for Flash, Green Lantern, and Justice League. We also get issue 8 for Talon. And then the first, uh, I, I don't even want to say the title. Green Team, Teen Trillionaires, number one. Which what? is, yeah, it's kind of the, uh, the, the counterpoint to the movement, which I haven't read yet either. Oh my God. Yeah, Green Team, Teen Trillionaires. <laughs> oh, oh God. <laughs> We're going to have to read it. No, 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 no. <laughs> Screw you, buddy. You're going to try to make me read it, and it's going to be one of those episodes where it's just you talking. All right. So also, we have from IDW, we have Doctor Who number nine, Ghostbusters number four, and Transformers Robots in Disguise number 17. Image, we have a new interesting comic coming out, Bounce number one, uh, written by, I don't have it right in front of me, but it's one of the Man of Action guys, uh, Joe Casey, I think it is, who they're, they're all really cool writers. I enjoy most of their stuff. And then also we have the third issue of Five Ghosts. And then Oni Press brings us Sixth Gun number 31. So that's all here for our What We're Reading episode. As always, you can find us online at comicbookinformer.com or on Twitter at CBinformer. And until next week, thanks for listening. I was going to interrupt and say, you want to do that again? You can do your outro again. Because <laughs> I know you screwed it up. <laughs> I don't do retakes. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> I'll put in last week's <laughs> outro in it. <laughs>